Welcome to the Automated Decision Making and Society podcast. My name is Brooke Myler, and today we're discussing the spread of conspiracy theories in the news and media with Professor Axel Bronze from the ARC Center of Excellence for Automated Decision Making and Society. Axel is the leader of the news and media focus area in the Center of Excellence and specializes in studying the movements and trends of the news industry. In 2020, the world was diagnosed with COVID-19 and everyone was desperate to know more. Questions about the virus led to numerous conspiracy theories encouraged by celebrities and tabloids. One notable theory was the link between the new 5G cellular network and the virus. In April, the theory went as far as the United Kingdom, where conspiracist groups set fire to dozens of telecommunication towers to stop 5G. Then, in May, Australian conspiracists organised rallies in major cities, arguing that nearby telephone towers were causing outbreaks of the virus. Australian Chief Medical Officer Brandon Murphy has assured Australians that there is no link between 5G and the coronavirus. He's entirely correct and there have been no discoveries proving otherwise. So, Axel, is the spread of conspiracy theories a new phenomenon? Not really. It's actually quite well established that conspiracy theories are more prevalent in times of crisis. Uh, so whenever major crises and breaking news events happen, people search for any information they can find, and sometimes in all the wrong places. Um, conspiracy theories were prominent during previous pandemics, including the Black Death and the 1918 flu pandemic as well. Um, the difference now is that information can be shared more quickly and widely on social media, enabling the rapid spread of news, but also of rumours, gossip and misinformation. If we look at the 5G conspiracy theory, where exactly did it come from and how did it spread across the world so quickly? As far as we know, the first appearance of the conspiracy theory was on the 19th of January uh, 2020, when someone posted on Twitter a link to a Russian news article that falsely connected the rollout of 5G in Wuhan with the coronavirus. The next day it appeared on a French conspiracy blog and on a German alternative health website. But uh, these fringe outlets never gained much traction. On Facebook, for example, they were shared mainly in small groups that already had considerable links with conspiracist views. Things then changed considerably when celebrities from mu music, movies and sport got involved. Um, in mid-March, US pop singer Kerry Hilson tweeted a link to a COVID 5G conspiracy video to her 4.2 million followers. Later on, rapper Wiz Khalifa posted something about COVID and 5G to his uh, 36 million Facebook followers, and other celebrities also got involved. And this way, in a sense, celebrities became the super spreaders of the COVID 5G conspiracy theory. How did these posts on celebrities' social media accounts then filter into mainstream news? One of the problems that we've seen is that as conspiracy theories and problematic information spread on social media, they appear more and more often in the mainstream media as well. This is especially if celebrities have endorsed such ideas, shared them without necessarily quite knowing what they're sharing or whether the information is reliable. And as they share this material, then it becomes particularly visible in entertainment media, in tabloid media, in celebrity outlets and so on. And, of course, unfortunately, that's not necessarily where you find hard-hitting journalism, where you find carefully researched stories. Um, those outlets tend to cover anything that celebrities say or do uh, without much uh, fact-checking or consideration of the further impacts of that coverage. In fact, some of the tabloid coverage that we've seen even embedded full-length videos from notorious uh, conspiracy theorists themselves alongside the celebrities endorsing their claims. 
So as a result of all of this, those conspiracy theories and other misinformation circulate unchecked through entertainment and celebrity media and are shared on again via social media too. And that way they reach a much larger population than the original conspiracy theories themselves because they are now being published in popular media sources. So why doesn't critical journalism affect the circulation of those celebrity views and popular media? I think the problem here is that the conflict is asymmetrical. On the one side, you've got conspiracy theorists and their niche and social media platforms. You've got gullible celebrities, populist politicians and influencers, tabloid and entertainment media reporting on them, covering the conspiracy uh, theories. And on the other side, you've got governments, establishment politicians, medical and tech experts, NGOs and quality media and journalists who are reporting on the real story. So depending on the user's media diet, the individual user's media diet, um, they may see only one or the other side of this, and even then perhaps only infrequently. Government and expert statements dismissing the conspiracy claims when they finally appear are reported in political and general news outlets and sections, but they don't seem to reach those people who would benefit the most from hearing them. You've previously mentioned that there are two different sides to news conspiracies. The conspiracy theorists and their supporting celebrities and influencers, and the experts ranging from medical professionals to investigative journalists. Both appear in the news but in completely different publications. What can be done so that these two groups make one? The best way to address this would be to make sure that reliable information is covered by the same media outlets that reported on celebrity views. Um, but that would require entertainment journalists to take a much more responsible approach, or official spokespeople, to get their views across in a far more engaging and entertaining way. Both are difficult. Um, more critical and responsible coverage in entertainment media might drive audiences away. More engaging official communication might be seen as cheapening the official message. Aside from these groups, the government also has a say in the news. But it is often slow to debunk theories. Should they be doing more to counteract conspiracy theories? For instance, do you, Axel, think the government did enough in the anti-5G movement? This is a genuinely difficult challenge, unfortunately. Um, respond too early and you may be giving the conspiracy theory more amplification than it already had. Respond too late and you've missed your chance to protect ordinary citizens from getting exposed to these debates. So the challenge is to hit that spot where you can deter the wider spread of conspiracist claims by making it clear to ordinary people that there's no merit to the claims and uh, that spreading them would cause harm to others. But government campaigns are often slow to get started because of the approvals processes involved, uh, while these claims themselves demand an agile response. Some responses might well be drafted days or weeks before they're finally cleared for release by government. Um, there may also be a, a need here to invest in more media monitoring of both social and mainstream media in order to detect emerging misinformation and formulate responses early on so they're ready to be rolled out when the time comes. Also, the point of the strategy needs to be considered. Nothing governments say or do will ever convince hardcore conspiracists that they're wrong. Uh, so the aim of these campaigns is to protect ordinary citizens from falling prey to these claims and from sharing them on within their own online and offline networks by giving them appropriate counter-information. What strategies, if any, can the government adopt? First, government needs to insert its own messaging into those spaces where the conspiracist claims circulate, largely unchecked, amongst mainstream audiences. Uh, this doesn't mean getting into hardcore conspiracist groups, they're too far gone to be reached by fact checks and similar content. 
but it's critically important to ensure that tabloids, celebrity, entertainment, sports and related media cover the correct information as much as they cover celebrities and influencers spouting mis- and disinformation. Because that's where ordinary, non-conspiracist people are most likely to encounter these conspiracy theories. It appears that what celebrities say on their social media accounts has a strong influence on what we then see in the news. Do you think the government should enlist the help of celebrities and influencers to counteract damaging conspiracy theories? Enlisting celebrities, influencers and others on the government side or creating humorous and heavily memefied, instantly shareable content like Telstra did when, uh, or tried to do when it produced a 5G information video with comedian Mark Humphreys, that can help because they can reach audiences that the Prime Minister or Chief Health Officer can't. Um, governments and other stakeholders cannot afford to see such activity as beneath them because that just seeds the field to the other side. But of course, getting this right is genuinely difficult, especially if your brand isn't particularly well-liked or trusted, which in the eyes of some Australians is the case both for some federal and state government institutions as well as uh, for Telstra, I suppose. So, Axel, do you think Telstra's approach with the use of humour was a good approach? Look, to be frank, official statements are boring, and no one is going out of their way to find them. Uh, they appeal to a very small range of users uh, who want accurate, realistic information and seek out the official sources. But most people don't get their information that way. They become aware of official statements only secondhand via news reporting or through their social networks. So entertainment and comedic content can engage such general users with the topic. Telstra tried this with Mark Humphreys, producing a, a humorous and highly shareable video to provide information about 5G and COVID-19. This can be very effective if you get the humor right. Do social media purges of conspiratorial accounts and content have any effect, or do they simply drive the problem further underground? That depends on what the aim is. Um, it looks like deplatforming, which is what we're talking about, has two opposite effects. It drives conspiracy theorists further underground, as you say, where their ideas may fester, become more radical, and possibly less observable for law enforcement as well. But it also increases the distance between these fringes and the mainstream of society. It makes it more difficult for their content to be shared widely on mainstream social media platforms, and ideally also removes the key spokespeople from mainstream news coverage, though that will only work if tabloids, entertainment media, and other popular outlets with limited journalistic standards are also deplatforming them. So it can help protect ordinary citizens, but it doesn't do anything to rescue hardcore conspiracists from their delusions. For that, long-term de-radicalization efforts, similar to those used with conventional neo-Nazis, religious extremists and other cult members, will be required. But if it can at least reduce the spread of their dangerous and damaging information, then deplatforming certainly has a role to play in the overall response to disinformation. So what can researchers do to address these issues? What is the centre of excellence for automated decision-making and society planning in this area? First, unfortunately, the leading digital platforms have made many public statements about how they're addressing mis- and disinformation on their platforms. But exactly what they're doing and whether it's having any effect has often remained unclear. Critical, independent research has a really important role to play in tracking platform activities and assessing their impact. Sometimes this means investigating aspects that these companies are trying very hard, hard to hide from us. Sometimes it even means shaming them into providing better access to outside researchers. Often it also means developing in innovative approaches to 
gathering the sort of data that the platforms themselves actually have ready access to but aren't sharing with us. Uh, some of our projects in the Centre of Excellence, for example, take a data donation approach, which invites ordinary users of platforms like Google and Facebook to provide snapshots of their own user experiences, anonymously and voluntarily, of course, so that we can see what search results Google provides on specific topics or what ads Facebook displays for particular user demographics. Internally, the platforms themselves already have such information readily available, of course, but since they're not going to share that with us, we have to get inventive and find alternative ways to, uh, to develop that picture. It's a David and Goliath effort, uh, no doubt, but with enough Australian users supporting us, we can actually hold these major transnational corporations to account. But even beyond these data donation projects themselves, I think every one of us has a role to play in combating conspiracy theories, myths and disinformation and other issues on digital and social media platforms. That's why the Centre is also working closely with policymakers, uh, civil society organisations and other stakeholders to understand the current challenges and develop sensible broad-based solutions. It's way too easy to just blame the technologies themselves or the companies that operate them. It's what we all do with them, individually and as a society, and what standards of public discourse we aspire to that will determine whether they benefit or harm our society. So, conspiracy theories in the news and media are really more complex than what we thought. We might need to reconsider the news outlets and stories we trust. Professor Axel Bruns, thank you so much for helping us better understand the spread of conspiracy theories. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from the ARC Centre of Excellence for Automated Decision Making and Society. For more information on the centre, go to admscentre.org.au.